Hello, everyone. The three of us are live again. Greg Lackey, Mike Singer, and Tim Hyde of BlueAndGold.com. Plenty to discuss tonight. First, a, a quick apology for me up at the top. That was, I think, my fault that we weren't on at 730. A little trouble with the eCamp software. But we're back at it now, 10 minutes late. But we got plenty to talk about, like I said. Mike and Tim, um, let's start with the college football playoff rankings, the update. Tim, Notre Dame at number six. Oklahoma State now five. Initial thoughts. I mean, it looked like they just copied the eight people, even at the bottom of the, you know, 20 through 25 and things of that nature. Um, I don't have the AP poll in front of me, but just some of the teams, SEC heavy at the bottom of the poll, you know, Notre Dame flops to six. It's, I don't know, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, we'll, I mean, where do you want me to go? I mean, the Big 12, this love affair with them all of a sudden, I mean, the Big 12 has been pushed out for years outside of Oklahoma. And now all of a sudden, Baylor at 10 wins, yet two of them are one double A wins or mm. a top 10 football team. And they don't even have a quarterback. They're playing with their backup. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I think, I think everyone expected this, you know, I've done, I, I did a deep, deep dive into like wins, uh, power five wins, all of those things. And Notre Dame's up there with, you know, with the top two or three in America. So they're just not getting a little push. All these teams with the one double A's are getting credited for things. It's a little annoying. Um, and, and lastly, uh, I think a telltale for Notre Dame is wh where is Wisconsin? So you're telling me Wisconsin basically drops out of the top from what the in the 15 to completely out of the pole? Yes, they were number 14. Exactly. So they dropped 11, I mean, what, 15 plus spots just gone. 11, yep. 12, whatever, you know, so gone. Uh, just completely out. That's the first thing. And I noticed that in the AP poll and the coaches poll. Yet AM loses to LSU and AM's eight and four. So everyone's obviously they got the one win, but they just got four losses. What's Arkansas done to warrant this top 25 ranking every week? And for the life of me, just real quick uh, before we move on, is Purdue. How does Purdue, with two top five wins this year, get no mention? Yeah. No mention for the last month. And who are their losses to? Notre Dame and Michigan and Ohio State. But so they have four losses. Three of them are to what three in the top seven. Yet they're not getting any credit for their wins that they've had this year. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to go conspiracy mold here, X Files and things of that nature. But it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous that some of these teams are ranked and some that have a strong resume or not. So. Well, let's uh, launch this very crude Ooh, graphic I made. Great. <laughs> uh, I just want this. When I made this, I, I had a template for it after last week. Uh, this looked more attractive for Notre Dame. Uh, and now you, we just referenced Oklahoma State has those wins over number nine Baylor and number 12 Oklahoma. And Notre Dame doesn't have a win over a ranked team mm -hmm. at all. Um, the only thing, and Tim, you and I talked about this previously, that Notre Dame could point to and what you were just referencing is the, the FCS opponent that Oklahoma State had versus Notre Dame starting at Florida State is like the only yeah. discrepancy if I'm Notre Dame I'm really, really pointing to. Otherwise, it looks like the committee took a big leap this week towards, hey, they think Oklahoma State's got the tougher schedule. Well, uh, real, you know, real quick, Greg, is, uh, I mean, just power five wins. I mean, Notre Dame's got more power five wins. So mm -hmm. how do you compare these schedules? How does that committee sit there and say Oklahoma State, schedule-wise, record-wise, has played a tougher schedule than Notre Dame? It makes no sense. 
Notre Dame, you go off of this, sure, they ended with Georgia Tech, Stanford, not good football. But Virginia's going to a bowl. Carolina's going to a bowl. Vautech, Cincinnati's going to go to the playoff. Wisconsin, Purdue. Toledo is going to a bowl. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame will, will play more bowl teams than Oklahoma State this year. More bowl teams than Baylor. If Baylor, say, wins and jumps them, they want to put a conference champion in. So, you know, and you said it great, Greg, uh, the other night after our uh, show against uh, Stanford, that Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma State did not play a Power 5 team until week four. Yeah. Week four. By then, Notre Dame had already played Florida State, Purdue, and we're getting ready to play Wisconsin before Oklahoma State plays a Power 5 team. Yeah, I think I had a typo on that. I think uh, Tulsa's 6-5, and five, by the way, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But still, uh, Mike, you were about to say anything. Something. <laughs> All right. You know I love you guys, but it really doesn't matter who's 5 and who's 6. I mean, if Oklahoma State beats Baylor, yeah. whether they're 5 or 6, they're going to jump. If they were 6 right now and Notre Dame's 5, they would jump Notre Dame. Yeah. So 5 or 6 right now, I, I get I, I get it from a, like um, – like just looking at from this week, um, if it's a travesty that Oklahoma State can through over Notre Dame, I, I get that. But in the grand scheme of it, it doesn't matter. It's like the whole Michigan Michigan State debate a few weeks back when um, you know Michigan was ranked over Michigan State when the Spartans had just beat the Wolverines. Um, but that was so long ago, and I was like, guys, why are we freaking out about this when it's gonna work itself out? And it obviously has. This one will be very darn clear. If Oklahoma State beats Baylor for a second time this season, I I would say that their resume is stronger than Notre Dame's. Am I crazy? Uh, no. no. I don't think you're no, crazy. No, you're not. No, you're not crazy. It's just frustrating. Like no, you know, you know, the perception out there is Notre Dame's played no one. That's the thing, and yeah. they have played people. You know, they have played. They haven't played some of the patsies. I mean. Are we counting Kansas, by the way, as a Power Five win? So <laughs> it, 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 I feel like there's a good. I think there's a big part of the Big Twelve that shouldn't be counted all that great. But I'm I'm well, a naysayer on the Big Twelve. But. You know, and then you know you want to talk about the wins. You know, as we all know, these schedules are so you know set so far. You know, years ago and things. I mean, for crying out loud, they're playing Florida in 2030. Yeah. You know, they already announced that. So these schedules are what they are. But yeah. uh, no, it's just a little frustrating. And you always got to go the loss. Who has the best loss? Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's is going to the playoffs. Oklahoma State lost to a five-loss, um, uh, you know, Iowa State. Seven-five. Alabama Iowa State, yeah. lost to a, an unranked at the time of the game, Texas A&M. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is what well, it is. Yes. And then their Oklahoma State might be a three-loss Baylor team. Well, two of those yes. losses are from Oklahoma State. So, I mean. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's, uh, that's funny. What do you think, uh, you know, do you think the committee will go back and, and watch this game closely, the Notre Dame-Cincinnati game that Joey Madigan is, is bringing up? I mean, I still felt if my feelings were after that game that the better team won. It's just now I'd love to see those two teams play again, Notre Dame and Cincinnati, because I think Notre Dame is uh, – I, I would I would expect Notre Dame to beat Cincinnati now. True, but – But that's the opportunity they had, yeah. yeah. Yeah, life doesn't work that way. You play when you play. You don't look back and say, oh, well, let's do this now. Hey, they had their shot. The turnovers, interception, the fumble by Tyree gives them a you know, chip you know, chip shot. Hey, you always got to go back to the end of the first half. The game was only 10 to nothing at mm-hmm. that point. And 
defense lets him go in four plays, 80 yards. And then boom, all of a sudden it's 17, nothing. So, you know, that was, a, it was just a frustrating game, but that's still that early part of the Notre Dame season where they didn't know who the heck they were. We got Sa- Christmas. Sa- uh, free Sam Adams advertising. I'm having coffee. I've basically been having coffee at all hours of the day since mon- Monday morning uh, <laughs> and night. Uh, I don't know if I'll say tonight. We can, we can still hold out hope for Notre Dame Cincinnati rematch, right? Alabama it could happen. Loses, Oklahoma State loses three and four. Um, quick update. Um, Jerry, I think his name's Jerry Barta. Is that the college football committee guy? Um, mm-hmm. Yep. On Notre Dame says Kelly's absence is part of the criteria for evaluating the Fighting Irish. Yeah. The, um, he said at the end uh, of the show that they can take into consideration uh, anyone that's missing from the program, whether it's a player or a coach, and, and make a determination yeah. on whether the team is uh, lesser for it. So, yeah, that's uh, that's not great news for Notre Dame, I guess, in that regard, too. They probably should have some sort of coach named interim or not. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, they definitely will. I mean, they definitely will by then. I mean, let's say if chaos happens. So, hey, I want chaos. I think it would be awesome to see Notre Dame. I mean, we could all agree on that. Get Notre Dame in the final four and have Brian Kelly hanging out at his home in Baton Rouge eating shrimp and uh, enjoying life watching the team you know, that he bailed on. In, in the final four, that would be the football gods will, if they can speak and do that, life is good. Yeah. Well, should we turn our attention a little bit to the, the bigger news uh, with uh, Notre Dame Nation? Uh, we are now roughly 24 hours uh, into the reality that Brian Kelly is not going to be the coach at Notre Dame next year, and there is officially a search. Uh, Mike, your impressions, let me start with you from. Jack Swarbrick's presser and just what you've been hearing, what you're hearing from Notre Dame fans. I know our poll on our loose on the loose emoji board. There's an overwhelming support for Marcus Freeman to just simply be named the head coach. Yeah. All right. There, there's, there's like four different things in there. So we're going to have to <laughs> go through those slowly, but we'll start with the Swarbrick press conference. This was my personal opinion. You guys tell me, Tim, do you, you get to watch it? I know Greg did. Did you get to watch it, Tim? Yes. I've, I've watched, watched it three it. times. I watched it live. <laughs> my personal opinion is Swarbrick seemed like relieved, kind of like a, I am glad for this new chapter. Like this, this Kelly drama situation. I don't have, you know, Kelly giving me crap anymore. Now I feel like he's, he's kind of excited about moving forward i did and he didn't seem you know sad or upset um uh, that brian kelly's leaving he was um he gave kelly good compliments and you know talked about how um the the program's in a better shape than it's ever been but i kind of got the sense that i mean when he kept saying i'm not surprised by this i'm not surprised by this saw this coming he seemed like a man who's ready um, to get that next coach, Greg. I mean, what, what do you think? So I had some friends reach out to me during the who were actually watching the presser live, and they they were surprised. And I don't agree with this. They were commenting that Jack Swarbrick looked tired and unprepared. And I just don't think Jack Swarbrick's going to be unprepared for a situation like this. I don't. I don't buy it. And so to that point, uh, I just think that you know, along what you're saying, Mike, that maybe he already knows the answer. Maybe it's Marcus Freeman, and he just couldn't say it or this morning because when you hire a new coach, there's paperwork to do. There's some legal stuff. 
this, that, and the other, you know, working out deals and stuff. And, you know, a little surprising to me, like he, he went with a presser only 15, 16 hours after the news broke. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe just to kind of put the media at bay for a little while so he can finish up a deal that he's already had in place. What do you think, Tim? I agree. I agree with you know uh, both of what you guys said. I mean, just listen to it. You know, listening to him. I mean, I don't. He may have been tired because I think he was there early opening yeah. the door. Uh, I can relate then, right you know, now. And then the, the rumors: Brian Kelly was in there for what about two hundred seconds. Probably gave him his keys and he left. So I don't think he's tired. I think Jack's. I think Dr. Jack's been working twenty four seven since all this. I loved his. I loved his thing. Like, yeah, I haven't made any comments. I mean, he's a lawyer. I mean, let's. I mean, let's remember he's one of the best lawyers in America. Yeah. One of the top law firms before he came to ND. So the guy knows what he's saying. He is. You know, he runs the playoff committee. You know, I don't think if people don't know that. I mean, he is the voice when the door is closed with all those athletic directors. So. He knows what he's doing. Mm. I thought he was sharp. I love what Mike just said. So, so correct there where he was like, hey, he didn't ask me to counter offer. And you kind of felt like Jack was like, I'm not going to counter offer him. Done. Push him out the door. Right. Like, (laughs) okay, bye. If you want to go. Exactly. Because you know what? He's been playing this game. I think this even goes back to, you know, when he met with the Eagles right after they play Alabama after the 2012 season. That's that's always going to be in there for you know, the Notre Dame fan base remembering that the 16 meltdown where everybody now knows he was contacting teams while they're going four and eight, trying to get the heck out of South Bend. He's had a hell of a run. He's won, you know, obviously what he's done the last five years, kudos to Brian Kelly, but even in these last five years, his name's constantly being mentioned. It's like me, dude, you know, you're on the cusp. You're so close why don't you put just a pinch more effort into finalizing and going after one or two more dudes every year yeah. and win the damn national title instead of complaining about a couple things. So that's just what it felt. I love what Dr. Jack's press conference was and goodbye, Brian Kelly. I, mean, I, I, agree. It was. I agree, Tim. And I'm like, this is your area of expertise, but I feel like Kelly's already kind of gone that extra mile with what is in his tank with recruiting. Like I think these escalated it but he's just never going to be the urban meyer um pete carroll type nick saban type of great recruiter um it was may 1st of last year i wrote a column 10 things i've learned about my first year covering notre dame football recruiting and um it was a huge hit by the way i should have should have done that for year two um (laughs) but um one of my points was Brian Kelly is a great recruiter when he wants to recruit. And that's just the thing I felt the same about Clark Lee. Um, Very good. Just not a recruiting grinder. Um, I can't remember. I've done so many radio hits and live shows. I I can't remember where I've said what at this point, but a lot of times in these coaching hires, like when you have a new coach coming in, it's often the opposite of the last coach. I feel like Marcus Freeman Mm -hmm. would be the opposite of Brian Kelly. He's younger, a big-time recruiter. He's a defensive coach, whereas I was told Kelly um, was, gravitated a lot more towards the offense, um, especially this year. Um, I mean, I, I would be excited. Kelly had a ton of experience. Marcus Freeman, not so much. And one comment that I've seen a ton about from people before we get into Super Chat. Um, and Panic Mob, thank you. He's given us two of them, in fact. <laughs> 
Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, um, Tim. I'm- is uh, I'm actually losing my train of thought. So, Tim, do you have a... Well, Tim, let me throw you something because it, uh, we're, the topic we were talking about earlier with with uh, Jack Swarbrick and whether he already knows, he, he said today during the presser that he does not, not keep a list, like a list of guys just in case his guy leaves, meaning, uh, you know, in the last couple of years he hasn't been formulating a list of potential Notre Dame coaches. And, that, and he justified that by saying every search is different. Uh, that, that sounds believable to me. He also said, though, that he well, he would not answer a question directly about whether head coaching experience is required. So, I, listen, I, I don't want to overread between the lines on Jack's word. He's a, I think he's the best athletic director in the country. He's been phenomenal for Notre Dame. But those, if you wanted to try to read between the lines, that would kind of point more towards, again, to me, like maybe it's going to be Marcus Freeman. It might be him pretty quickly here. Uh, yes, it could be. I mean, it, it definitely could be. I love, you know, I, and I really like that, you know, that comment that he talked about the criteria, which is true. Yeah. Every buyer is a new hire. You have to look at the program and of course, Notre Dame, where they're at now compared to when Weiss got canned. Um, it's, I mean, it's night and day. It's, it's just, it's night and day to, I mean, I went all the way back to Era Parsegian and looked at all these hires today, trying to see who's who and trying to, you know, wrap your head around this. I mean, this program is solid this is like when dan devine left it's it's a solid program ready to go mm-hmm. and it's up to the next guy to get it going and then next guy's got to get he's, he's got to be a recruiter going to back to what mike just talked about of yeah i mean i mean i don't know it drives me nuts when you think about recruiting and you know, it's not so much the guys you miss on it's it's are you going after some of these guys and i think mike, yeah. mike could speak to this really good about some of the comments were Marcus Freeman. He comes into South Bend and it just feels like Marcus Freeman's like, why aren't we calling these guys? We're yeah. Notre Dame. And well, you know, him and Han, you got to work a little hard. So work, you know, and if, if Marcus Freeman real quick is the guy, if something happens, I know it's going to be everyone's, oh, no head coaching experience, things of that nature. I'm going to stick to one point is, I truly believe he's going to be an Urban Meyer clone. And when I say that, I think the dude is going to be relentless out there because his name is going to be on this program and he wants to be successful and be remembered. I think that's just his his tone about the type of person he is. He's a five-star linebacker who played at Ohio State. Yeah. The guy wants to win and have success. Jack Swarbrick did answer directly that fit at Notre Dame is the number one uh, priority for his uh, list of characteristics he's looking for in a head coach. And, and Sarah, to build off of what Tim was talking about, you know, I mean, you, you hear what recruits are saying how Marcus Freeman pitches Notre Dame. And I, th- I think Tim was saying that, like, he does a great job of convincing kids that they are fits for Notre Dame as opposed to Notre Dame kind of like waiting around for the fit, right? Yeah, a co- couple things. Let's see if I can keep my train of thought this time one I, I every time we talk about the, the swarbic presser today maybe i'm just jaded because uh, of kelly denying that he's never going to take another job and then you know he, he does and you know 15 years ago nick saban says he's not going to leave the miami dolphins which that that's that's my favorite team um and, and then he does so i'm just kind of like still over hurt crap right now i don't i'm still a little bit so i'm just like i don't buy anything these people are saying um, I- anymore. Um, but the one thing about Freeman, 
I've never heard with a recruit. Yeah, you know what? She didn't recruit me hard enough. Got in too yeah. late. And uh, yeah, you just don't hear that. Um, he's, I mean, he's relentless on the recruiting trail. These kids want to play for him. The mm-hmm. ones who are committed and even the guys who just met him in January. I mean, they are all on board with him. Now I should say that, you know, every coaching search I've ever covered school, I've covered like anytime this happens, all of the players and all the recruits want that, you know, interim head coach to be hired. That's just the natural. That's what keeps the continuity. Um, but rarely I'm like, oh, that's actually a, a good idea because it's usually not. You want to go get, you know, a, a big time coach. But in Freeman's case, man, I think that's a great idea to keep that continuity because I think you have a rising superstar um, in the coaching ranks. Um, he knows Notre Dame. He loves Notre Dame. You see such great results with him in recruiting. Man, I know like probably 90% of this show, we're just going to be kind of talking about Marcus Freeman for the head coach spot. And, you know, depends who you listen to. Like my sources feel like uh, Freeman's got a really good chance um, to get hired. And then you read Pete Thamel's article today where he basically wrote that he thinks that um, guys like Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese are not going to get the job because of lack of head coaching experience. But I will say this, going back to all the – um, I think all the press conferences are BS. I mean, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I felt like he was kind of leading on to like, we're going to take our time here if we need to. And we're like, this could stretch into January kind of thing. If it's like someone like Luke Fickle, right? I think it's going to be done. I think this week, just my kind of a personal opinion, reading in between the lines and talking to sources. I think it's going to be done this week. Um, that, that, that's just me, but he, I'm just not buying anything Swarbrick's saying. Let me, uh, I mean, let me, let me bounce off of that. Yeah. If, if this drags out, I mean, if this drag, I mean, Charlie Weiss was fired and they hired Brian Kelly, I think on day, what, 10 or 11. So if, but if this, I mean, you're saying if this thing drags out, there's no, they have to announce something. They have to, or you could just kiss this class goodbye, kiss any mm-hmm. shot that you could have, Isaiah Foskey or Jared Patterson, guys of that nature coming back next year. They'll just go pro. I mean, you know, they'll do what Jimmy Clausen and Golden Tate did after 09, just left without even talking to the next coach. So that will be a mess. And real quick, uh, we're, you know, talking about BSs and press conferences. How about Brian Kelly last week when he's, you know, when uh, the question came up about Isaiah Foskey, are you going to talk to him or are you going to wait like you did with Ronnie Stanley? And he says, oh, we're already working on the angle. And one of the things Brian Kelly talked about is this team knows who's coming back and how good we're going to be next year. And he still bailed. I, I, I haven't ruled it. I mean, I don't have any personally have any reason to believe that Brian Kelly, that this all evolved really quick with LSU. I mean, I'm willing to entertain the idea that he didn't know he was leaving Notre Dame a week ago. Uh, true. True. I'll, get, I'll give you that because money talks. I mean, look at yeah. the contract. But at right. the you same guys want time. To, do you guys want I mean, the hot gossip this? that I got today? You guys want sure. the hot gossip? Get, get lay it to oh, us. Always. All right. <laughs> I just want to make sure everyone is clear. Always. And if that, if Greg, if you put this on Twitter, like just this snippet, like involve involve this part right here. This is. <laughs> Let me mark this, this down. Twenty three thirty eight. <laughs> fifth hand information, kind of stuff. Like I don't know how actually true this is, but you know this is what the people want. Well, <laughs> so I was told I don't have a time frame on when this happened, but LSU is talking to Brian Kelly. And Kelly was not interested. 
Um, and then Kelly um, went to Notre Dame about some kind of improvements. And, and you've seen some of this on Twitter and different articles that, you know, Brian Kelly wanted this or this done. Um, and Notre Dame is just Notre Dame. And, you know, they're not changing um, for Brian Kelly's request, especially when you go back to what I said earlier that like, I feel like Jack Swarbrick is kind of just kind of fed up with Brian Kelly. So when Kelly got the thumbs down, I think that was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back. And he was like, all right, LSU, like you want to talk? So I do think it developed pretty quickly in that sense. But I think the LSU contact started um, a, a good bit of time ago. Tim, what, what's your reaction to hearing that? Again, I just want to make sure everyone knows, like, I, I'm not putting that out there as like, a, this is definitely what happened, but people love the rumor mill. So that, that's, oh, well, that's I mean, you, you go on the, tw- you go on the Twitter verse and you, and you start reading some of the guys who follow the other programs and things of that nature. Even the newspaper reporters are starting to leak out that it, Brian Kelly got a call a month ago and he just said, no, I'm, okay. I'm happy at Notre Dame. I'm solid. So that's been out there in some of the reporting. And then it's been reported. Uh, one of the writers in Gainesville said he actually called Florida just two weeks ago. It's been reported that that, that started the, the process. And I think Mike's point is really true. Uh, Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn was on CBS Sports uh, today doing an interview as an alum, just talking about Notre Dame. And he talked about from his sources, his Brady Quinn saying, Brian Kelly was just complaining about a certain a certain couple things he wants in the you know football only type of facility and and, and dining Brady hall. Like, I was with, I was one thing yeah. I saw specifically was yes. a dining hall that Notre Dame football, football players only have. football only dining hall uh, for you know for the Notre Dame guys. <laughs> the South and Dining Hall that, food is amazing. Uh, any student would know that. I mean the the chicken patty sandwiches man that's what i lived off that when i was well, real, you know, but real quick off that that comes back to you know dr jack today where he's talking about you know we have you know a plan we we're raising money we're, we're improving things which is true and you know anyone who's walked on notre dame five years ago go today it's 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 different every six months on that campus yeah so there's constantly things going on so these little rumors where kelly's constantly asking for things you know, I, 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 I love, you know, go back to Mike just 10 minutes ago where, you know, Jack's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done, dude. You got everything you need. You're going to the playoffs, quit your complaining, get another guy, go <laughs> recruit a little bit harder, win the damn game, get your statue, retire. And you know, that's not happening now. I'm putting yeah. Michael's comment up here. Not that I endorse that specifically, but it, it did remind me of another thing because everyone's going back to like, what did Kelly say two weeks ago? What did he say a month ago? And like clues to any cues that he gave us. And one of the things that I think he was definitely being honest about is that he, I remember saying something along the lines of he's not interested, like having a statue isn't important to him. I think that his move to LSU proves to me that his legacy at Notre Dame is not very important to him. Because he was, I mean, he's right there in terms of striking distance, not only in the playoffs, but a couple more players, as you mentioned, towards the top, Tim, to get. And you you got a great chance to win a national championship and have a legacy. You win one national championship at Notre Dame, especially a transcending one like this would be, you know, the first one in 30-plus in, in years, that, that your legacy is solidified forever. And he just was like, eh, whatever. So I think yeah. – I don't think I don't think he cares much about his legacy, at least as it relates to Notre Dame. 
Well, he, well, he cares more about a dining hall, it seems like. So there, you know, we hope <laughs> that. So, you know, I guess he wants, you know, some more, you know, some more, you know, chicken patties over there for the football players. But, uh, yeah, the, you know, the comment, you know, Brady Quinn, really good interview uh, was on YouTube, even talked about that, that did he love Notre Dame and, you know, every coach at Notre Dame's complains, wants something done. I mean, you go back to Lou Holtz, complained, wanted this, but he knew what Notre Dame was, and you roll from there. Bob Davey complained nonstop during his time, always trying to do certain things. You know, it really wasn't until Charlie Weiss. And I think Charlie Weiss, you know, me personally, being a follower of Notre Dame, a lot of things started to change when Weiss was there. Weiss yeah. started to get – he got the goog. He started to get a lot of those – things built uh, for Notre Dame that hadn't been there for a long time. So that started a little bit there. And that's when Notre Dame realized, yeah, we got to get involved in this arms race and start getting wild and crazy. And they have, and they got awesome facilities. Yeah. Mike, uh, to Tim's point, I, I think Charlie Weiss was the, was the era where Notre Dame realized that yeah. your head coach better like recruiting or you're going to get nothing. Cause there were a couple of Tyrone Willingham classes that were, well, one in specifically that was abysmal. I mean, it ranked like 50. No linemen. Yeah. No linemen. Yeah. Uh, Greg, Greg, as a Notre Dame alum, I'm curious your take on this. The whole, like, should Notre Dame change for this or should it just be Notre Dame? And that's what makes Notre Dame special that it is different from these other schools I mean, it's it's are, an interesting conversation. What do you are, think? Are you talking about the standard of having head coach experience for your position? No, what, I'm what, sorry. No, about like catering, maybe not catering oh. is the right word, um, to a dining hall. Well, that's actually kind of a funny catering a dining <laughs> hall. But, um, you know, having students not – or the, the students dorm with the uh, Notre Dame football players. Like I've had high-profile recruits tell me that that turned them off to Notre Dame. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of Notre Dame fans would say – well, why the heck are we doing that? National championship has to be the bottom line, but to Notre Dame, it's not. Yeah. So do you feel like Notre Dame should be Notre Dame? I mean, should Notre Dame change? I mean, it's it's at least um, a, a topic of conversation, Greg. Well, I, and, and I don't know specifically how Notre Dame handles that, that line of negative recruiting, but and I would imagine they do this, but you, you find advocates who are, who, are, who are graduates, who are athletes that could speak to I think the reality that when you do room with the general student population, you are far more likely to build stronger friendships. I mean, you know, I've got I've got friends that play on the basketball team, you know, more so than the, the football team, I'd say. But I know that that those guys spent a lot of time with the general students and still keep in touch with with Notre Dame friends and that their their alumni or their Notre Dame network and connections are, are vital. Like it's it's not if you're making a decision about the next 40 years of your life, you don't want to pigeonhole yourselves to only 80 other people for your Notre Dame experience. I mean, you have an entire student body that spans not only the nation, but the, the, the world in terms of where they're coming from, where what their skill sets are. So I, I just think that, you know, you can't have it both ways. Like, yeah, they might be more comfortable their freshman and sophomore year if they're rooming with a football player. But at the same time, I think you're chipping away at what Notre Dame is really all about, especially life after college. I should mention as well that I've had recruits tell me that they love that about Notre Dame. Brandon yeah. Vernon, uh, class of 2023 defensive lineman commit. He is all about meeting new people, getting – um, all these experiences and man, if that doesn't sound like a Notre Dame kid, you know, then I don't know what does, but yeah, yeah I, I have like parents love it because Notre Dame does sell 
um, parents and recruits on that. Like, hey, like this kid, like that your, your son's going to room with might be like a for- run a Fortune 500 company soon. Like that's the yeah. kind of person you want to um, room with instead of, you know, the kid's going to transfer in two years maybe. So, um, yeah, that's I – mean- um, I, I, would say, I like it personally. I graduated 20 years ago, and I think some of the dorms, I mean, I was in Dillon Hall, tiny little rooms, no air conditioning. I don't know how much they've improved, like, the living, dorm living situation for athletes. I'm sure it's better than it was 20 years ago. And I know that the athletes then, I, I don't recall people griping about living with the general student population too much. There was a level of appreciation there. I mean, yeah, when they move off campus and they get apartments and houses, they tend to gravitate back towards their team. But you know, that's kind of what everyone does. Like you end up getting an off-campus place with your best buddies, whether or not, or often you didn't, you know, room with your best buddy your freshman year. But um, for me, my my freshman year random roommate is still one of my best, you know, college buddies. So I was, I was lucky in that regard. But anyway, Tim, go you ahead. Know, you know, really, yeah, no, I mean, that's the Notre Dame experience, you know, and I think that's overplayed sometimes because, you know, 99% of the football players are all off campus within 18 months anyway. So it's not like they're on campus forever. And it's those freshmen, it's those freshmen guys. I mean, you see, you know, a lot of the football players always talk about that experience and going back to what Brian Kelly talks about, you know, you know, the academics, I mean, you're, you're being roomed with a five-star academic guy. You know, I know, I know my, I know my wife her first two years, her roommate was, uh, you know, daughter of an oil tycoon. Mm. So he owned oil out in the ocean down there in the Gulf of Mexico outside of Texas. So I don't want to give the company away and all that, but that's who she met. And she was from a small, you know, suburban town outside of Boston and meeting those people and they're friends to this day, Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And she was good friends with a few of the football players back then during the, the Bob Davey years. So that's, you know, that's the negative recruiting. And if a guy's going to fall into that and get suckered into that, then, you know, the old saying is you ain't going to survive at Notre Dame anyway. And I, and I think, and I think Notre Dame has taken guys. I mean, just go over the Kelly classes now and look at the guys who have transferred, who have had academic probations, who have not survived at Notre Dame. I mean, you got to go to class. You got to write a term paper. You know, you're not going to be Ohio State and have four years of online school and just play football and and do whatever the heck you want. I mean, Notre Dame is never going to be that. And that's the stigma. That's what's out there in recruiting. But at the end of the day, Mike's in this business for recruiting. It's like you're telling me you can't find 25 kids each and every year that want to come to Notre Dame, play at the highest level of college football, have a legitimate shot at going pro because you're going to get trained. You're going to you're going to play big time football. Mm-hmm. And if something happens with you, you're going to meet a Greg Lackey. You're going to meet someone from your freshman, sophomore year <laughs> that's going to last me. For, forever. Yeah, maybe not Greg, but, <laughs> you know, but, but, but it's going to last. And, yeah. and, and, and Notre Dame is, will always, always sell that. And it's a winning formula. I fired up a couple two, uh, super chats here while we're talking. Thank you guys for doing that. Um, please hit like on this video. Subscribe to our YouTube channel on blueandgold.com. Please seek out our free newsletter. Sign up for that. That's a great way that we can keep you updated and it's no cost out of your wallet. Um, Mike, I want to queue up with just this statement. How, how do we think Brian Kelly is going to do at LSU? And first on the recruiting front, it's it's a – it's a tough world down. It's it's a cutthroat business recruiting in the SEC territory. And um, 
you know, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Smith, who I interviewed today, he's the publisher of our LSU site, said that, you know, there's a lot more of the, you know, it's all about the, the Jimmys and the Joes and not necessarily the X's and the O's uh, in the SEC. You better get the best talent. And he's going to be going up against Saban and whatever Oklahoma and Texas does, fighting for kids in his own state. Dude, that crap, like, it, it he, he's not going to be able to recruit against Nick Saban when Nick Saban is on weekly calls with these top recruits and Brian Kelly has talked to him, you know, like a lot of kids when like for the first time when the kid commits or takes a visit, like that's, yeah. that's just the reality of it. Um, or, you know, maybe Brian Kelly sends out a, a mass text message, like to, to 40 different kids send the same thing. Like, I just don't feel like that's going to fly down there. I, I don't love the fit for Brian Kelly. Um, I mean, if he feels like, he can't win a championship at Notre Dame, but he can't at LSU. I mean, that's that's on you, man. Like that, I'm not gonna tell you how you should feel about that, but like, you're not gonna tell me how I should feel either. And I think it's just a bad fit, and and I think he looks bad in LSU colors too. I mean, Timmy, you've been a high school coach for a long time, and to me, Brian Kelly has to be careful about how many of his current coaches he would bring to LSU anyway. I mean, he's got. I would think he has to devote a large portion of his staff at LSU to people that have significant inroads at the high schools in that state. And can he get that done by bringing guys down from South Bend? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, let me answer, I'll answer that question uh, talking about USC. That's I think been one of the issues real quick with USC is all the Texans they got. Helton brought all these Texas guys in, all these Southern guys in. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? There's no connection with the Southern California recruits and just look at all the SoCal guys all across America flourishing everywhere except for at SC, at SC. And I think that's a big thing, especially Louisiana, Louisiana. I remember seeing a, you know, a, a stat about, you know, per capita, the football players, the talent, the NFL guys that come out of there, Louisiana's yeah. loaded, yep. you know, Brian Kelly's not a great recruiter to begin with. And he's like, heck, I don't even have to leave. Yep. You know, my office, I could just sit here and hit golf balls in the back. So, you know, he's, you know, <laughs> he's, he's not going to have to leave. He's going to go to a couple gumbo fries and, and go from there and shake hands and, you know, and have a fake Cajun talk and things of that nature. And, uh, it, you know, LSU guy, Louisiana kids want to go to LSU. So yeah. he's going to get, he's going to get 20 off the bat from there. And then he's going to go pick a few here and there that want to go there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he needs to he needs to obviously hire a few of those guys on staff, some guys with past SEC connections, especially Louisiana connections, because you know those high school football and those small towns, which Louisiana has a lot of them, it's very important. Just like Texas, if you're going to coach in the Big Twelve, you better have some Texans on your staff. Greg, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like um, Mike Elston, if he goes down there, like Mike Elston recruited in the South like that, like yeah, Brian Kelly's a a, a Yankee, right? I mean, yeah, he's Boston, Reese. like yeah, and uh, and he, he's only been a head coach in the Midwest too. Brian Kelly, think about it. he's what Grand Valley State, uh, which yeah, is a Michigan school, Michigan. and then Cincinnati and Notre Dame, in Central yeah. Michigan and Central Michigan. Oh, Central Michigan, that's right. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a weird fit, and um, yeah, I mean. Jeff Quinn, like Jeff Quinn's whole thing is, you know, hunting and stuff. Like, I don't know the hunting, you know, like in Louis, like, is that their big thing? Like, it is fishing. Big. It is he big. is a fishing it is guy. big in Louisiana. It, yeah. Okay. I, I, I've, I don't even know if I've been in the state of Louisiana before, so I, I couldn't tell you, but, um, 
it, it'll be a different, you know, like uh, his kind of um, like his, his background with recruiting. It, it'll be a lot different. Like it's, it's just a different world. Like Notre Dame, I believe under Brian Kelly has signed one player from the state of Mississippi. And that was Caleb offered the 2020 class who is from South Avon, Mississippi, which is a Memphis, mm-hmm. Tennessee suburb. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's just going to, it's going to be a lot different. Um, I mean, it's just a different recruiting background um, for Kelly. Yeah, I'm with you, Greg. He's got to, I know there's been a report. He's already retained a couple of the LSU guys. So yeah. I think he'll need to retain some more. Yeah. I mean, if he's, yeah. if he's bringing over like six or seven Notre Dame coaches, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in Brian Kelly as a coach. I mean, I think he did a great job at Notre Dame. So, I mean, that, that'd be my answer about part of the, part of it being a good fit at LSU is just for me, Brian Kelly has been a great coach. But, yeah, if, but if he is competent, if he gets people in his recruiting office and his strategy to be competent, that is a state that has a history of being very easy to seal up. And as Tim pointed out earlier, that's a great state for talent to seal up, and yeah. you're going to be a pretty darn good football team if you do that. I- I was on an LSU show this morning. I honestly don't even know the YouTube channel I was on, but I was on a show and they asked me to, you know, describe Brian Kelly. And I said, one word is stability. Like he can develop a culture, which LSU is going to need that. I mean, they have like federal issues down there. Like they, there is a lot of problems um, at LSU, right? I mean, you guys are chuckling, but like, it's like, it's true. It, it's, it's a rebuild. I mean, there's tons of talent, but like the culture, it's a rebuild. So he's going to need really good coordinators. Um, I mean, it's, it's going to be a grind for him. But if, if he's the Brian Kelly of Notre Dame in that he's going to be the same kind of recruiter again, very good. And he's a, he can build a program. Um, but he, again, he doesn't recruit actively daily he's got to build a really good staff around him to your point greg i bring up nolan sanchez's question here i want to ask you guys if not freeman okay notre dame goes or jack swarbrick and and the notre dame administration goes outside of of the current football program tim who's your number one most likely or if you want to do it as the number one guy you think would be best in notre dame oh the number one guy wow if it's uh, not freeman or, or reese or anyone inside the program currently um I mean, Fickle's obviously the obvious one, but mm. you know, I I posted on the message board yesterday. People were talking about big names. Yeah, you're not you're not going to get Saban. Dabo's waiting for Saban to leave so he could go to his alma mater. Why not call Columbus, Ohio, and see what Ryan Day wants to do? I threw that out. I mean, who, who yeah. knows? I'm just talking big, great right. coaches. This is Notre Dame. Ryan Day's got no ties to Columbus, Ohio. He's from New Hampshire. So, you know, he's, he's got no ties. He's, he's an urban Meyer guy. He's followed him. And obviously with Chip Kelly before that, that's where he got his feet wet was with Chip. So I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, I, you know, was Ryan day is Ryan day more Lincoln Riley, meaning did urban leave him as Jim, uh, Jim Harbaugh said the other day, Summer just born on third base, that comment about Ryan day and the talent urban Meyer left him. Is that the same with, Obviously, Lincoln Riley with Bob Stoops left. I think I think Lincoln Riley went out and got some good guys. But I had just mentioned Ryan Day. I have no idea. But if you're going to shoot for the fences, I like him. I think Fickle just because you know he's an Ohio State guy. He's done some. He's done some great things. Uh, he's done a heck of a job, obviously, at Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great comment. If, 
<laughs> That's a great comment right there. So I'm just throwing it out there, just shooting for the fences. You want to talk about great coaches in America. So, you know, he would have to be out there, maybe a realistic one. But, you know, the name is Fickle, but they just did a Cincinnati guy, you know, and like yeah. Mike, you know, Mike talked pretty about well. Exactly. But you always do it. You know, you always do the opposite. And so to speak. So do you go back to Cincinnati, Ohio for, for the next coach? It's, it's kind of interesting. Mike, what do you think? Marcus Freeman just came from Cincinnati. Mike Mickens. I mean, yes. uh, tons of Cincinnati yeah. guys. Yeah, I mean, um, the whole staff. Yeah. The, we had a comment earlier. <laughs> I want to find it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling up on our chat here, but something to the effect of, um, Luke Fickle would go to Ohio State. Like, if he takes a Notre Dame job, like he would go to Ohio State. Uh, I just scrolled oh, right um, past it. I'm sorry, I have it. He he would go there if that job opens up. Um, I mean, now we're like double speculating. We're speculating that he would get Notre Dame. We're speculating <laughs> if he like leave get right Ohio away. State. Um, but Freeman, on the other hand, uh, another Ohio State grad, um, like he would. He bleeds blue and gold now. Um, and I believe that. Like, I remember doing an interview with Freeman over the summer. And, you know, he talked about, like, yeah, I mean, he considered Notre Dame in high school. And he is someone who can speak to four for 40 because he was a really good college linebacker. Mm-hmm. And he had a cup of coffee in the NFL. But then, you know, he had his injury, a career-ending injury. So he couldn't play anymore, you know, but he had a degree. Um, so like he can use that. Like, I really think he loves Notre Dame. I think he wants to be at Notre Dame. I think if he crushes that at Notre Dame and Ohio state, um, and we're doing a double speculation again, like, and that would open up. I, I think he would stay at Notre Dame. Like, so I think there's value in that. Like, I think Freeman, um, is a Notre Dame guy for sure. One of, I, I you know, I didn't find the exact comment you were talking about. This is not really that close, but it's, it's about fickle at least. Um, <laughs> one of the things that was brought up about, Luke Fickle that was speculated that Notre Dame is attracted to, and it's a good discussion point, and I think it's valid, but not to a huge extent, is that he's a Catholic guy with a background with the Catholic power high schools in Ohio. Um, I do think the Catholic high school league in Ohio is has long been one of the best leagues for just generally really good solid high school what, what play are schools but Give just like schools. you know like the elder moeller uh and then up in yeah. cleveland st ed's ignatius you got okay. you know and then the columbus schools like um sure you know i'm blanking uh and then you got a little bit of like alter and dayton is a division down okay. but a whole bunch yeah. of schools anyway first off a lot of those kids still love ohio state and then secondly, I don't know if there's like the depth of talent. Like I would be careful for people to make the assumption that like, oh, because you've got a background at Midwest Catholic high schools, that means you're going to build a really talented roster to what Marcus Freeman, I think, has brought to Notre Dame is you got to go out to schools that you didn't think necessarily you had a pipeline to and convince kids that they are Notre Dame fits. I I personally don't think like whoever this coach is like. I, I don't think that you change Notre Dame recruiting. Like you yeah. have to keep being a national recruiting base. Like that's been Notre Dame forever. Yeah, you like to. you have to. Um, I mean, North Dakota is not a fertile Notre Dame recruiting ground, but if there is some Catholic kid in North Dakota, that's just a baller. Like Notre Dame will go there. Like I've said many, many times, I don't think this current staff um, maybe past staff. I don't know what you say about this anymore. It's interim staff. I don't know, but I don't think Florida is going to be a hotbed for Notre Dame recruiting. I just don't. But 
they're going to pick a kid or two out of there a year. Like Georgia, you can see four or five kids a year going to there. Um, really strong private schools in Georgia. Um, you know, you see Jaden Thomas, Pace Academy, um, Dion Coles, the Athens guy. Like you see that. But Florida, it, it's just not as, as strong in, in that area. Um, Berkeley Prep is one of them. Notre Dame has a commitment from there. Keon Keeley. But um, so, yeah, it's got to continue to be a national recruiting base. I mean, Notre Dame would be silly to put all their eggs into the Ohio recruiting basket when you got Ohio State right there. Uh, we have a poll I referenced earlier on the loose emoji board. Uh, it's not quite yet a scientific poll, but I proposed 10 names on the forum on who people would like to see as the next Notre Dame's next Notre Dame head coach. It was Marcus Freeman, Mike Elston, Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, PJ Fleck, Dave Clawson, that's Wake Forest, Jeff Brom, Purdue, John Harbaugh with the Ravens, Tommy Reese, and Matt Rule. There's about 540 people who have voted. Yeah, 537. 391. That's 72.8% for Marcus Freeman. And Luke Fickle is overwhelmingly the, the outside candidate that people like the most. So... It'll be interesting. Obviously, uh, uh, Jack Swarbrick is going to decide for himself along with the help of his superiors and, and advisors. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, if you're listening to Notre Dame Nation, it sounds like it's going to be one of those two. Um, yeah, uh, real quick. And if it's Freeman, it's I mean, the reason why fans and everyone loves him going back to the comments we had earlier is, you know, he's he's been there on campus. He's been there for a year. I think he knows the ins and outs. That's a positive you know, I know Bob Davey was there for a few years with Lou Holtz and knew the ins and outs, but I think Freeman's a completely different guy. I do. I think it's recruiting. I think the fans have seen him recruit. They've seen these recruits talk about him. I think that's why he's got the the love out there of why people want him, because this is a program that's winning 10 games. Get a dude who wants to recruit and go relentless out there and go finalize and get those guys. And I think the thing with Fickle is, you know, he's, you know, he, he's, he's an Urban Meyer guy. I, I love Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer could coach anywhere. He's, a, you know, except for Jacksonville Jaguars, but uh, he's a heck of a football coach. You know, he was there with him. Um, you know, the same thing, the Midwest, he's Ohio State guy. He's used to winning. He's been around great football coaches. He's had success. His teams are tough as nails, as we saw when they visited South Bend this year, which, by the way, who put together that defense that, you know, knocked the heck out of Notre Dame this year? Marcus Freeman did out there relentlessly, as Mike was talking about him and uh, Mike Mickens out there recruiting the hell, the heck out of Ohio, getting those guys. So that's why he's the fan favorite. And if Dr. Jack's sitting back and he's, he's looking at these other names and Matt Rule, PJ Fleck, you know, this gentleman right here writes Kyle Winningham, Kyle Winningham's, you know, he's never going to leave Utah, you know, He's only left Utah on a plane to go play somewhere else. So he's not going to go nowhere. Um, you know, who are who are some of these names that aren't in the top 10, you know? Yeah. Like Dave, Dave Aranda has been brought up, but he's just been a DC. You know, does he have the charisma of a Marcus Freeman out there on the recruiting trail? Dave Aranda just seems like Clark Lee to me when you hear him speak. So, um, A lot of people, and I don't know if people are, I'm bringing up Notre Dame's schedule, by the way, here. Uh with with all the positive talk about Marcus Freeman, for some reason this seems to have parlayed itself into really negative talk about Tommy Reese and his performance as an offensive coordinator. I just wanted to launch Notre Dame's schedule this year here, and those are pretty big offensive numbers since the beginning of October. I know we've had some defensive touchdowns, but or Notre Dame has, um, but 
your guys' thoughts on just Tommy Reese as an offensive corner? I think he's done a pretty darn good job, especially with a poor offensive line at the, at the beginning of the year. Yes, I'll, I'll jump in there first. Uh, I mean, you just go back to the beginning of the year. You know, they had to go get a transfer quarterback because they didn't have a quarterback in the in the room. You know, we talked about this all offseason, you know, where I think I truly believe Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly sat back last December and we're like, are we really going to play Tyler Buckner? who's played one year of high school football and Drew Pine, and that's all we have. And uh, Brendan Clark with a blown out knee. So they had to go get someone. A ton of wide receivers who've never played. You know, a couple minutes here and there. Austin's been hurt twice. Yeah. Some really good tight ends. An offensive line. I mean, Tommy Kramer was starting for the Lions on Thanksgiving at right guard. So the you know, the, but the best uh, rookie offensive lineman this past week in PFF was Liam Eikenberg. So you got four guys going there. Hey, you know, you can say whatever people out there, him and Han about this Reese thing is like the, the guy put together an offense, not a lot of experience, a lot of makeshift guys, guys that have been asked for the first time in their Notre Dame career to be the guy. And they've stepped up and won 11, 11 wins with those guys. 11 wins with Jack Cohen as a quarterback who didn't even play last year. I think yeah. it's I think it's tremendous. And they flipped the script offensively with what they want to do, who they want to be. I mean, for crying out loud, they had Joe Alt playing the third tight end at Purdue. You know, they're playing yeah. three tight ends in a game. And then they've just flipped it, changed everything, moved a couple of pieces around the O-line, and they're 11-1 and one and ranked sixth in the country. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Mike, I'll let you finish with the final thought here. Uh, we're hitting the hour mark, and I'm, I want to congratulate both of you for not starting to slur your words simply because we're low on sleep, uh, not because of any uh, consumption of yeah. anything. Uh, we're, we're, we're hanging on. We're doing a good job. But, you know, a good question about, like, the, the, the how long or the longevity it takes for Notre Dame to find a replacement. I'm going to ask also with about 2022, just your thoughts on would they lose a ton of recruits in your mind? Like, just your – if, if like it's not Freeman, if it's well, if it's not Freeman, and they got to wait for Fickle because he's like, I'm not going to say I'm going anywhere until after the college football playoffs. I, all right, so let's say they don't hire a coach before December fifteenth, the, the first day of the December seventeenth is the the final day, three day early signing period. I mean, is Jack Swarbrick like the uh, essentially the head coach who's yeah. like? signing off on well you can like I, I, i'm kind of the decision like i'm gonna be the recruiting a little bit like yeah. they're not naming an interim head coach um which that's a whole different discussion on the um oh i've hear all sorts of um rumors and um theories about that which uh we can or can't get into i don't know what whatever you guys want to do but no um but to your point like, like yeah they'll what, get to what, Go ahead, they'll, Greg. they'll get Donovan Heinish uh, to sign if there's no coach. They'll get Joey Tonona to sign if there's no coach. But having Tenona. no coach for the early signing period is a disaster. Right. right. Yeah. But there, like, there's right now, it's there's no direction. So if it's this no interim, no one's kind of in charge right now, and that stretches into two weeks from now, like. I don't know. Are they going to sign like seven kids? Like yeah. you mentioned yeah. Tonona, I could see that. Donovan Heinish, a Nolan Ziegler, Tyson Ford would be one. Um, at least I, I've heard that, you know, he's Notre Dame through and through. 
But like, if I'm Tobias Merriweather, I'm the Pacific Northwest. Like, I'm signing to Notre Dame. I'm a wide receiver. Like, Notre Dame could bring in a triple option coach for all I know. Like, um, obviously that's a stretch. But I, I am, I'm strongly of the, and I battle with this. So, but I am strongly in the opinion of you got to get this done before December 15th. Yeah, I agree uh, too. But also if Fickle is the right guy and Swarbrick believes that through and through, and that's just everything he believes in, but he can't get Fickle announced before signing day. Like, is that the best move for the next 10 years? Even if it's going to suck for the 2022 recruiting class, like Tim would that set them back a big deal if the 2022 class is a lot of under-the-radar guys and it's just kind yeah. of a small class? Am I forgetting about this? And Panic Mom, I'm sorry, because you brought this up earlier with another Super Chat. Thank you again. Uh, no idea. I, I, I have no idea. I, I probably missed it. You, I, I know Tim and I, I mean, for both of us, when we're preparing for the live show after games – and Mike, I know you're the same way when you're doing with Tim. You'd be surprised how much we're looking down at paper at the computer and kind of like, you know, checking up for the play to begin. And I miss a ton of stuff between plays. Uh, Is he on talking the about the Stanford game? I, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe yeah. if he wants to uh, drop a, a yeah. quick yeah. comment. I mean, if he wants – I mean, wh where is this? Is this in the halls? Is this, you know – on, on the phone were they scuffling and things yeah. of that nature but uh i'd like to quick, watch <laughs> i mean i'll throw my two cents in here about the recruiting thing is you know if, if if nothing is done between now and the 15th well then it's obviously going to be a guy who's playing in the you know playoffs or it's an nfl coach i mean it don't take a rocket scientist to figure that out he's not going to be doing background checks on you know pj fleck until december 22nd you know just to throw a name out there i mean no if, if nothing, something's going to come out because Notre Dame can't sign five guys. So you're telling me, you know, Dr. Jack has, has been working his tail off for 12 years with Brian Kelly. And all of a sudden he's going to be like, ah, we'll sign six diehard Notre Dame guys. And we'll play with 68 scholarship guys next year. Have fun in Columbus. And we'll go six and six, get our heads kicked in and go play Oregon State in the Holiday Bowl. That's not going to happen. It's just not. It's Notre Dame. They're not going to let this thing float out there and let Sneed five-star linebacker, you know, whoa, what's going on? Well, he's going to jump. Tuli Alamaka is going to leave. Why, why the heck would that guy go, you know, all the way from, you know, the Los Angeles Valley to South Bend, Indiana without a coach? You yeah. Know? So, so many of these things are going to ebb and flow and work their way out, but um, so it's going to happen. They're not going to let this thing float around like crazy. Yeah. Searcher Green, we're searching for what that was all about, too. And there, it might it might have happened. We just we just didn't see it and have nothing to say, but fun to talk Someone's about it. Players are saying Freeman cussed Kelly out at the meeting today. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past anything at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah who knows? Was he uh, there? Well, you know, real quick, was, was Marcus Freeman there? Was, you know, I thought all the assistants are out on the road recruiting. I mean. Yeah, I mean. That's a good question. Uh, Jack Swarbrick was there, but that's that's all. That's the only person I heard was there, other than Freeman Kelly. As was far as in adults, Michigan, yeah. Freeman was in Michigan yesterday, so he very well could he, be. He probably uh, came down. Came back. Uh, that, that's what uh, that's what he's saying that it happened during the meeting. Oh, I just lost my uh, NFL draft question, but uh, here we go. Um, Kyron Williams uh, can go to the NFL draft. He's a, if you're a good running back and you're a top four or five round pick, you go. And right now, he's on pretty much everyone's like top 100 hot boards for the NFL draft, then Michael Mayer has one more year, one more uh, year. whether he likes it or not. 
He's certainly yeah, ready to more, go to the yeah. NFL, but he's got it. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, Michael Mayer has got one more year to be honorable mention All American next year. Oh, so there you go. And, yeah. and be just a Mackie Ward semifinalist to be left <laughs> off the list. All right. Oh, life is good. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. Everyone, again, like this video. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we'll probably go live again sometime. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have some definitely some tape programming. Mike, I, a singer, I know you have something with Goolsby coming. Goolsby. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be posting it after this. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So we had some questions right. about that. So make sure everyone checks that out. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you all soon.